This is CliffCentral.com. Welcome to the Smart Money Podcast, a series of financial tips for different life stages. Get your money right for your life. This podcast is brought to you by Discovery, and I am Maya Fisher-French. And each week, we chat to a money expert to find the answers to those pressing financial questions. This episode is all about navigating the gig economy, because the reality for many young professionals is that they will have to go out and make their own career paths. But this reality creates a completely different paradigm when it comes to managing our finances. So today we have in studio certified financial planner Olena Disipi, who runs her own financial planning practice, which often involves advising individuals like our other studio guest, freelancer Anne James, who a year ago decided to take the plunge and start her own writing and editing business. Welcome onto the show, ladies. Thank Hi. You. And I just want to start with you. It's been a year. You've left the corporate job. You've gone on your own. Has it been the right decision? Yes. It's been the most rewarding decision I've ever taken. Why? I like the flexibility. I like being able to manage my own time. I like knowing that as soon as I get my work done, my time is my own. And that really motivates me to be much more productive than, you know, as productive as I can be. And, and but how are you managing the money side of it? I mean, you've gone from getting a salary to now having to perhaps manage your, your money differently. Or, or did, you, did you leave your employer with some kind of contract in place already? I was very fortunate in that the, the company I left decided to take me on as a retainer. And so I have a year contract in place. And with that retainer, I can cover my basic expenses and get more out than I used to, thanks to tax benefits of owning your own business, mm-hmm. which are uh, easier to manage. I mean, would you advise that generally if somebody was going to, to make that big step, to rather make sure that they first had something lined up, you know, so they knew that there was some kind of income before day one started? Absolutely. That's the advice that I got. Before I went uh, freelance, I chatted to a lot of people who had done it and had been successful because many people tried in their life and then give in and go back to corporate or just take something up because they need to get a salary. And I wanted it to be sustainable. So I chatted to people and someone told me, unless I could secure one good contract at least, that was at least a year long so that I had a whole year where I knew I wouldn't get into debt, I could cover my expenses and I could start courting other clients. She said, don't do it unless you've got that in place. And mm. I really took that advice to heart and thankfully – um I, I haven't suffered for it. So. Any negative consequences so far? No. And Anna you I mean, you're here as a financial planner, but you also have your own journey. You used to work for a corporate as an economist. What made you take that step and how did you also adjust to, to actually having your own practice and not getting that salary every month? Like Anne, um, when I started, um, I was in the corporate world and the kind of person I am, I like being in charge of my own time. I like doing things when I want to do them and get them done. I'm a hard worker, but I can't work from nine to five. You're more like a two o'clock in the morning person to five, do you know, five something in the morning. Like that, <laughs> something like that. So there are times during the day when I'm more productive. And I just felt going solo, so to speak, was the right thing to do for me mm. because I'm able to get more done. And with the discipline and everything that comes along with it, I'm able to then 
uh, be successful at what I do. And do you think being for both of you, having been in that corporate environment, we were speaking before we came on the podcast, that sometimes being a corp- working for a corporate looks like being a seller. But there is such value. I mean, I'm the same. I'm also in the gig economy. I also started out in the corporate world. And you learn so much um, and you get so many valuable lessons. I mean, do you think that you could be both of you where you are today if you hadn't done that sort of corporate part of the of the career? Not a chance. <laughs> Not at all. I Not at all. I would have um, – if I hadn't started with corporate, I wouldn't be where I am mm. today. I feel – Corporate has molded me into the person that I am because I learned the basics, um, managing my time very well, um, working hard and knowing that my rewards will be based on on how hard I work and so forth. So corporate was actually quite key in getting me to where I am today. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think that your journey, you should never discount the journey that you take. Um, I've worked, I've worked in, I mean, name, name a field and that you can do with an English degree. Um, when you study English, you don't have a set career path in the same way that. It's not know, like you've now studied, you've studied medicine and you're going to be a doctor or exactly. engineering. Yes, you yes. don't become anything. You just gain these great skills and logical thinking, creative analysis, critical thinking, that kind of thing. And you've got to prove to an employer that those skills are valuable and add value to their organization. So, even that for a start, um, you've got to have that spirit in you saying, I need to make this work. I need to prove to someone that I can add value to their organization, which helps you if you want to go, um, if you want to be an entrepreneur one day. It's not just, I'm doing a job, I get paid for it, mm. you know. Mm. And I agree with what Onelena said about, I- I'm not so much a nine to five person. If I can work really hard for a while, then. And take a bit of a break. Yeah, exactly. I love projects. It's, you know, projects you can work flat out, um, and then you have a little bit of a break, and you can get back on it. And it just it, there is that flexibility. Somebody said to me the other day, they said, um, you know, you're saying you, you work for yourself because you like flexibility, but you're always working. And I'm saying yes, but there are actually downtimes. I can go and take a long weekend when I want to. I don't have to tell my employer. But I mean, Olena, we you know we're talking about the pros of, of of going on your own. Are you seeing more clients coming through that are entering this gig economy, um, especially the creatives of the freelance world? Um, either by choice or necessity. Are you seeing a change in the workplace? I am, especially with regard to the young generation. Mm, the young generation. Yeah. I don't think they want to be caged in. Mm. I think they just want to spread their wings and fly, you know. And um, so the, there's more of a shift towards being self-employed mm. um, than mm. them being um, formally employed, mm. the nine to five job and mm. so forth. Yeah. And I think it's working for corporates because they can also pick and choose their services then. I mean, and you, you, you're in that space. You can, you, you, the corporate can pick and choose now what, you know, and you can sell your time accordingly. You, you know, they don't have to have a full time person on their payroll. Yes. I think, I think it's a good deal for them. They also get that flexibility if they, I mean, let's face it, if they find someone better, they can move. They, it's mm. like renting instead mm. of buying. <laughs> and, thinking, yeah. and if it works for you, it's great. Mm. If that's what you want, it's mm. great. Um, and you can make it work for yourself. And in the same way, like renting instead of buying, you don't have to stay in the same house if suddenly you find something better. So mm. for both the employer and for me, if, if we find something that we prefer, then we, we're allowed mm. to mm. opt out after, I mean, after you finish your contract. So I mean, we're talking so about the emotional aspects, but there's a very, very real financial consequence to this decision. And, um, 
I wanted to start off talking about cash flow <laughs> because I know when I went on my own, it took me a long time to get that right. And I still remember that first provisional tax payment I had to make. It was it gave me a heart attack. I, all I clearly remember was thinking I could buy a couch for this. And, um, and I hadn't really prepared financially for it. I've learned subsequently. I have a separate account. I put money in. But I wanted to ask Anne, you know, you're, you're now in. How are you managing things like that? That kind of lumpy income, should I say? Some months are good. Some months are bad. How, how are you put it? putting that all together. Right. Well, I'm very grateful that at the moment I, I'm on retainer. So for a year, at least, as long as my contract lasts, I have a set amount. So it's like having a salary, a short-term salary. Mm. And one of the people who advised me before I went freelance said, make sure that you can cover your basic expenses mm. for a while. Don't don't just take a plunge. Be practical. Think about mm. it. And I'm, I'm very glad I took that advice to heart and that's what keeps me out of debt. And so I haven't experienced any lumpiness yet. Mm. Another important thing is having um, an emergency fund, which I'm sure Onelena is smiling and nodding. Um, yes, that emergency fund. You know, I, I mean, I've had it where in one month, one of my major clients uh, literally overnight canceled my contract because they were in financial difficulty. So if you don't have that emergency fund, you're going to be in big trouble. And by the way, an emergency fund is not a credit card, is it, Helena? But I want to ask another question here, Anne. You know, you're talking about having your cash flow in order and all those things, but there's a lot that you get from a corporate that you don't think about. Mm -hmm. Life cover, sick leave, retirement benefits. If something happens to you and you need to take three weeks off, they generally keep paying your salary. Right. Have you put anything in place around that? Honestly, all I've done is I, I've got this idea that when times are good, I'm, I should save and I must save, and I do that by – just not spending that much, but I don't really know what to do with it. I don't, I, I definitely don't have life cover. I don't have all the things that my corporate provided for me. And I'm not sure how I should be saving. I, I just. I've got great news. <laughs> Anna Lena's here. Yay. <laughs> Anna she, I mean, Anne's Save classic. She's, she's a classic. We're, well, we probably both are. Hopefully I've, I'm, you know, I've, I've been a, around for a little bit longer in the gig economy. But Elena, what is it that Anne should have in place or anybody who's taking that step away from the corporate and you have your own business? There are so many more risks when it comes to your income. What do you tell someone like that? Sure. That's a very interesting one. Um, you know, we need to make sure first that we cover the basics. Mm -hmm. And by the basics, I mean um, ensuring that you've got income protection. So the one thing that a lot of business owners must realize is that they are the, their business biggest asset. So if anything happens to you, for example, um, whether it be um, disability or whether it be a, a chronic illness, you need to ensure that you are protected for the future. Mm -hmm. Because unlike being employed, uh, unlike being um, in formal employment, where all of those things were covered, now suddenly the, the burden lies with, with you. And right. if you don't have them covered, if you haven't planned and protected yourself, um, no one you else might, has got you my back. Fall, yeah, <laughs> you might fall short um, and you, you will have no one to carry you. Mm -hmm. So that's the most important thing, making sure that, first of all, you have protected yourself. And once you protect yourself, then we start looking at things like how do you create wealth for yourself? We need to, to start thinking about retirement planning, right? So at some point, you may retire. 
I hope you will retire one day. Right. We'll get to a point where you just would like to work less. I mean, yes. I think that's less. even it is. You, True. I don't know if we're all going to retire at 65 anymore. I think that concept's gone out the window, especially <laughs> when you work for yourself. But, you know, do not you want to be working at this pace when you're 65? No, yeah. certainly no, not. not so, so you certainly want to be, you know. Yeah, so that's where the retirement conversation needs to come into play because you don't want to be working all your life. And you need to start saving for it now. Because, unfortunately, if you do nothing about it now, by the time you hit, say, 50 or later on in life, it'll be too late. Right. And I think a lot of people, what they miss is, um, I think you've heard people talking about compound interest. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people don't understand what compound in- compound interest is all about. You know, it's basically earning interest on interest. And once you um, you delay saving for your retirement, for example, you're losing out on that opportunity. So... It's, it's, it's very important that you start earlier on in life to start saving towards retirement because it reduces the pressure from you. Because if you wait until it's too late, then as opposed to um, taking out X amount of money, you may have to take out six times that amount later on in life to try and save towards retirement. So we need to sort that retirement out um, the retirement planning out. And then once we've sorted that out, we need to start then talking about investing. Right. Because I usually say to my clients as well that before we start talking about investing, you will need to clear off especially short-term debt. So if you've got any short-term debt, get rid of it because it's not really good for you. I mean, the interest that you're paying there is quite substantial. So you want to reduce the interest and rather earn interest. So um, for you especially, you would need to, to then start looking into what we call an emergency fund. Um, so that's a very flexible investment plan. So that in cases where your, contract, your contracts are not coming through, you know you can actually dip into that fund without necessarily going to the bank to borrow money. So it's a very um, detailed uh, plan that one would need to um, then look into. I mean, I always actually think as a freelancer working on you for yourself, your financial plan has to be even more involved. You actually have to spend more time and energy on it because you don't have the corporate kind of doing some of the stuff for you. True. And, you know, you were talking about retirement and, and one of the ways that that I use my retirement, I have a retirement annuity, but I don't always want to commit. I commit a little bit every month, but I don't, I don't want to commit too much because exactly, you know, the lumpiness, some months are better than others, but it's a great tax planning tool in February. So you sit down, your accountant or whatever, you sit down, you work out your tax liability and you say, hmm, I don't want to give that much money away to tax. And what it's, what is it now? 27.5%. 27.5% of your income you can invest for your future and not pay SARS, which I think, quite frankly, is quite fabulous. It's quite amazing. <laughs> so, yes, and that's what we need to explore, especially when you're when you're self-employed. You know, you get that tax saving, which could then help you out later on. The following year, for example, when business is slow, then you can just simply um, use the, those funds for something else. Right. So is it necessary then for every freelancer to have a financial advisor? Most definitely. <laughs> <laughs> is, is having a financial advisor a sort of once-off session and they tell you what to do and then you just implement the plan like a, a diet plan from a nutritionist or is it this ongoing thing that you've got to meet monthly and talk about your money and because that sounds like a bit of a commitment? <laughs> oh, I think we have a commitment phobe on our hands here. <laughs> That's a very interesting question. And, um, and what I will say to you is this. Your financial planner should be your best friend <laughs> because um, 
every time there's a financial change in your life, whether you get married, whether you have a child, whether your business grows, or whether you decide to get um, more partners in your business and, and so forth, any financial change, you will need to consult with your financial planner because you need to plan ahead. You don't want cases where later on in life there's surprises. When you retire, you don't want to find yourself um, having missed the opportunity to save and so forth. So having a, a, a financial planner um, very close to you is very key, not for for the financial advisor's sake, but for your own sake, so that you can walk um this the the path together you know i usually say to my clients um as a financial planner i'm more like a a taxi driver whether it be like an, an uber driver or because the client all they have to do is they tell me what their destination is and my job is to help them get there you know um when there's financial humps um along the way i'm there to then guide you so yes to answer your question it's supposed to be a long term relationship as opposed to a once off a product uh, and i mean it's quite interesting i'm i'm from the financial industry and i still have a financial advisor so people say why do you have a financial advisor? You should know this by now. I should know this. <laughs> right. And I actually use my financial advisor for two key things. One is to bounce ideas off because he takes the, it helps me take the emotion out of it. So sometimes we can get a little bit emotional about our decisions. So it's like, well, let's go back to the big picture. What is the big picture? And the other one is maybe it's a little bit morbid, but on the risk side. So, you know, I always think what ha- if something happens to me or to my husband and I together, you know, who's going to implement all my plans? Mm. I want somebody who's not emotionally involved in my family, um, who can, who can step in and, and really execute those wishes. So I think that there's, there isn't a very, very important role. I mean, this is somebody who's point. really, your money's like, money's everything. Mm-hmm. You know, it's what we do from the minute we wake up to the minute we go to sleep and having some, a partner in that, um, mm-hmm. and making sure that we, that we follow that journey. I, I find personally very useful. So people often advise me on money. Well, not financial advisors, just people in my life. The dinner party yes. conversation, which yes. are so dangerous. Yes. <laughs> and they often tell me, why don't, why don't you buy? Why are you renting? Why don't you buy, um, a home where you're staying? And then you know your money will be going into, you know, something long term. But that idea doesn't appeal to me at all because I can work from anywhere. All I need is an internet connection and my laptop. I, I don't want to tie myself into this property. Um, I can move. So what if I move? Hmm. Are you making the right choice? Because the yes. people do say, get into the property ladder. Exactly. You know, dear, and you then, must get into the property ladder. And then I feel like, oh, you know, so am I being irresponsible by not owning property? Is it, you know, is it very gig economy or is it very millennial to say, I feel like this ties me down or could it be a good idea? What I will tell you, Anne, is this. Um, when it comes to investing, um, there is no one set answer, right? So the fact that you're not investing in property does not necessarily mean you should not be investing elsewhere. Because my advice um, to you would be you need to ensure that you're creating wealth for yourself. So it may not necessarily be with property, but we could look into equities. We could look into other asset classes. Something that doesn't tie me to one place. And diversify your portfolio in that sense. So what I would, what I would then do, um, is basically sit with you, um, and do a detailed analysis with you. So we would need to find out what your, um, appetite for risk is, for example, because when we start talking about investing, 
we would need to speak about your ability or your willingness to take risk in the market, right? And based mm-hmm. on how how much risk you're willing to take on in the market, then we will look at the different um, portfolios that are available there for you. And there's also different um, vehicles that we can use to invest your money. You know, we can either go for something which is um, more flexible or we can go for something that is more um, tied up. So like an endowment policy, which will tie you up um, for a minimum of five years. Um, or we could even do a longer investment plan, you know. So don't be so hard on yourself. If you're not, right. if you're not saving towards property, property is not the beginning and it's not the end. We, need to, we, can, we can draft a nice plan for you. Okay, that's a relief. <laughs> exactly. And, and it sounds a lot like the personalities in there as well. Like what is your personality? How does it, you know, the thought of a five-year endowment plan, maybe you think, Ooh, but you say, you know what? Ad hoc, whatever. There's a lot of, a lot of opportunity. So I want to say thank you so much to, to, um, both Onlena and Anne for being here today because, you know, I was just listening thinking, you know, we're looking at this new world of work and everyone else says the old rules don't apply. But sitting here listening, I'm thinking, actually, the old rules apply even more. Budget, live within your means, make sure you have your risk cover in place because it's probably even more critical. Don't live on credit lines. And invest in your future. And I think investing in your future both means both in the traditional sense and, of course, in your own skills going forward. So I want to thank you both very, very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And please join us for the next episode when we discuss insurance, why you need it, how much you need. You've been listening to Smart Money, brought to you by Discovery. Get your money right for your life. This is cliffcentral.com.